This is Noah Kadner, and you're listening to the Virtual Production Podcast. Emma Nidell is an independent writer and director. Her screenwriting skills caught the attention of Oprah Winfrey, who came on to produce her script, The Waterman, when Nidell was 24 years old. She also directed a short film, Life Rendered, using Unreal Engine and motion capture virtual production techniques, which played at the Tribeca Film Festival and other venues. I grew up on a solar-powered cattle ranch in Elbert County, Colorado, which is as cowboy and rural as it could get. And it wasn't just, oh, a ranch with woods and pastures. It was a fantasy world. And so my creative spark really got started thanks to my upbringing. And I remember we got a computer when I was 10 years old, and we also got a little webcam. And that was really how I started creating movies and really fell in love with the idea of making movies. But it was always a hobby. I actually had the light bulb moment that you could do it as a job. I remember watching Pan's Labyrinth. I think it came out when I was 14, and I was just floored. I've never seen a movie that affected me so emotionally like that. And I watched all the credits. And usually as a kid, you know, movie ends, turn it off. But this time, because I was so affected, I watched all the credits scroll. And this light bulb went off in my head of, wait a second, those are a lot of names. All these people worked on this film. Maybe there's room for me on a film one day, too. Like many would-be filmmakers, Nidell struggled at the start of her career. I graduated early from college and moved to L.A. in February 2012 and went all in on trying to make it in Hollywood. I was broke. I didn't know a single person in Los Angeles. I had gone to school on the East Coast. And the goal has always been director, filmmaker. But I started writing because you can do it for free and by yourself. And I fell in love with it. It felt really creatively empowering, especially as I was shifting between all the entry-level crazy assistant jobs you do when you first move to L.A., the sort of rite of passage. Writing was an escape. After writing five really bad screenplays, I took an evening class at UCLA Extension in writing screenplays with an amazing professor named Steve Mazur, and he taught me how to write. And in that evening class, I wrote this script called The Waterman, and you know, I sent it to one friend, and it just, for Hollywood, went viral. So I was going around all these meetings with all these development executives before my assistant job or in the evenings after. It was exhausting. It was like three months of insanity. But then I get a call that Oprah Winfrey had read The Waterman and wanted to come on to produce with David Oyelowo, interested also in producing and attached to Star. And from there, you know, quit the assistant job and became a full-fledged professional screenwriter from 2015 to 2020. As a thoughtful person who grew up on a regenerative farm, Nidel discovered environmental concerns in the process of traditional filmmaking. So in 2019, Waterman was made into a film. Mr. Bussy, right? Yeah, well, I warned you, kids. You pulled another prank, I'd call the police. It's not a prank. I just want to know if the Waterman is real. The film follows a young boy who learns his mother has cancer. And deep in the woods, there's this legend of the waterman who, as the story goes, knows the secret to immortality. And so the young boy enlists the help of the one girl in town who's claimed to have met the waterman in an effort to go and save his mother. I was on set 
for the production. And there were two big problems that came up. The original script had the final scene shoot entirely at night. Unfortunately, you know, our production manager was like, yeah, you can't take two children into the middle of the woods at night. <laughs> First of all, it would be a logistical nightmare. It would cost way too much money because you only get a few amount of hours with kids. So we had to change the ending to take place during the day, which is totally fine. The film turned out amazing. I'm so happy and proud of it. But that was a creative compromise. And then the second thing, during one scene, we went to a national forest in Oregon. Beautiful location. It was ideal in terms of cinema. But in terms of production, it was an absolute nightmare. There was one single lane for a road in this national forest. There's no cell phone service. And, you know, the art department brought their semi-truck. The G&E truck was there. Trailers were there. The production truck, the bathrooms. I mean, the carbon footprint and just our production footprint was massive. And I just remember thinking, wow, what a hassle. <laughs> there has to be a better way. And these two problems were circulating in my head when I started discovering more about virtual production. The problem and then the solution, both together, have been really exciting and have made me a total evangelist of virtual production even before I worked on it with my short film. As with everyone else in the world, Nidel found her career trajectory strongly altered due to the 2020 pandemic. At the start of 2020, I had my two dream screenwriting projects. I had one feature that was set up at Netflix with a huge director and two huge actresses attached. And then I had a TV show I was developing with a writing partner that I loved so much and felt so exciting and the exact kind of TV show I wanted to watch. And then COVID hit and Hollywood basically shut down. Both of my projects were killed. They had just been, you know, let go. It was heartbreak, real heartbreak. And it was this real awakening for me of, okay, I came out here to be a filmmaker, to direct films. Maybe I could put all my eggs in the directing basket and just go for it. But I didn't have any ideas yet. And my husband plays a lot of video games. And he was playing a video game called The Last of Us, which, you know, I was like, oh, a zombie video game, I'm over it. But then I started watching some of the cutscenes, and I was struck by how well they were directed and acted through the avatars. And it was this aha moment of, whoa, video games are crazy cinematic. I wonder if they're ever used in film. And lo and behold, you know, I had been reading about The Mandalorian and virtual production, but I hadn't yet put two and two together. That Unreal Engine was actually the software that built The Mandalorian sets. And that was the moment. It's like, this is the future of filmmaking, and I want in. After the break, we'll be back with Emma Nidell. This episode of the Virtual Production Podcast is brought to you in part by Silicon Core, pioneers in fine pixel LED display technology for XR and virtual production. Learn more at siliconcore.com. And by Blackmagic Design, one of the world's leading innovators and manufacturers of creative video technology, which also work very well with virtual production. With virtual production as a new calling, Nidel looked for unconventional ways to realize her vision. 
Epic Games, who makes Unreal Engine, they have an Epic Mega Grant. And it's basically $100 million set aside for no strings attached grants for people who want to use the engine to bring their projects to life. Some of these projects, you know, a lot of them fall into the gaming category. Some might be R&D, but I am a filmmaker. And so I wanted to use Unreal Engine to make a film. We wanted to show Epic that we were serious and that the grant we were asking for, we knew how the money was going to be spent. So we paid someone to scope what the budget would be in a virtual production circumstance. And so we had the script, the lookbook, and the budget, you know, exactly where each dollar would go ready when we submitted our Epic Maker Grant application. I think we paid our technical producer $500 for that scope. So it's definitely worth the money to do that, just to show Epic that you're serious. So then they gave us the Mega Grant. <laughs> really exciting, but then we had to find all these partners. You know, in a funny twist of fate, we reached out to a bunch of vendors because we knew we wanted to create customized, hyper-realistic 3D avatars that the actors would pilot in motion capture. One of the vendors we talked to was Counterpunch Studios, who, as it turns out, created all the digital characters for The Last of Us. <laughs> so it felt like this really funny coming full circle where the original video game project that turned me on to Unreal Engine ended up becoming our partner who made up the two avatars that you see in Life Rendered. Nidel was new to virtual production, but quickly discovered logical ways to organize her workflow. It was very important that we filmed the live action first. And it's because we recreated a lot of the live action sets, or at least the most important live action set, in Unreal Engine. So we knew we needed to have our location locked and know what we filmed in our live action location in order to match it for the final film. Life Rendered follows Mark, who is a young gay man in rural Colorado who lives a double life, one in the real world where he takes care of his cowboy father who has been recently disabled, and another in virtual reality where he builds epic worlds and finds romance. Why do you like it here? Why do you come here? It helps me remember who I am. And, spoiler alert, what you find out at the end of the film is that Mark, while he builds these incredible worlds that range from, you know, a snowy tundra to an epic penthouse, he has also built an extremely detailed, realistic recreation of his ranch house. And in it, in his virtual ranch house bedroom, he has made a space for himself where he feels like he can be himself in a way he doesn't feel like he can do in the real world. So knowing that's you know the biggest emotional impact of the film, it was very important that we filmed the live action first. Then we shifted to virtual production, which we did on a stage at the Riot motion capture stage in Los Angeles. And so we ended up having this really cool set that mimicked a live action film set where we had our two actors in motion capture suits. And then we had our live action cinematographer, Anton Fresco, who's incredibly talented, with a camera rig that had the virtual camera plugin attached to it. And what that basically does is you can attach a virtual camera that you have in the 3D space to a, a camera that you can move about in real life. And so if you looked on set, you'd see our two actors in motion capture suits and our cinematographer moving around each other, acting and performing and capturing, just like you would a real live action set. And it really, it was this awesome way of mimicking a live action set virtually. In order to make the most of the process, 
Nidel leveraged the immediacy of a live action crew within a motion capture framework. We had our virtual camera just so we could see, or I could see what a shot could look like if we went with that for the final. But then we also had real cameras recording the actors in their motion capture suits as well, because it caught the performance in a way in that early stage of mocap, you just can't see it. And this was really important for a few reasons. The first is motion capture cleanup took up the bulk of our budget. We used the LiveLink Face app. We used that to capture performance, but we had to clean it up and that is very expensive. It's similar to live action in a sense, where if you're in a wide shot, you don't need to have such nuanced animation for the face because you don't see it, it won't really register. But if you're in a close up, that's where you need animators to come in and really enhance the performance and really nail the emotion. And you don't want to do that until you know your cameras are locked. There's one scene we thought, and it's the scene where the two characters in virtual reality are dancing. We thought it would be really good if camera wasn't moving, so it would just focus on them. But it felt really sad and not as compelling. And then we went in and we were able to change the cameras and animate them around. So there was this feeling of flow and the camera was dancing with the characters and it made that scene so much better. It was only something we could do after the fact. And it was this really cool moment where it was like, wow, if we had done this in live action, we would have been stuck. But with virtual production, we can change it up. Although Life Rendered is created through state-of-the-art methods, Nidel looked to develop a genuine emotional connection with her audience. First of all, I want to credit my co-writer, Ryan Barton, who's one of my longtime friends in Los Angeles. He's an incredible actor, an incredible writer, and also a gay man who grew up in conservative Arizona. And long before the script came about, we bonded over the fact that, you know, as people who weren't really accepted in our small community or comfortable being ourselves in our small communities, and he was the one who came up with the ending. And he even said, you know, if I had this technology when I was growing up, I'd want to recreate a world where I could be myself. And after that, I kind of broke the whole story open and ultimately made the film. We had one critic review of the film, incredibly positive. It might be my favorite review of all time. But the woman who interviewed me is also a queer woman, and she said the film really resonated with her and felt very authentic. And, you know, one thing she was really struck by was her own bias about the father when she watched the film. And she said, you know, I started the film and immediately I started to roll my eyes and I was like, oh gosh, here we go. Another story about a queer person with a bigoted father. Stay up late in that headset. Not too late. And at the end of it, she was really struck by the twist where the father actually feels empathy for his son in a way he never had. And so that was a really cool kind of moment. I've also had some feedback from older people who are a little wary, if not just completely dismissive of virtual reality and sort of the virtual identities that people form. And, and some of these people have reached out to me personally, have found me, you know, it, it's been at different festivals. They've come up to me there. And they've said this film has really opened their eyes to why someone would care about virtual reality or care about having an online identity in a way that was really human and kind of made them have more empathy for technology, which I thought was really cool too. <laughs> With a successfully produced virtual production short film to her credit, 
Nadell looks to advance her career with her next moves. The big thing I'm working on right now is a feature script that I'm finishing up that I want to direct. At the end of the day, you know, first I'm feature director and you have to go wherever the budget will let you. But everything I write and everything I'm doing definitely has a lens of, hey, how can we use virtual production to bring this to life? And again, the why, because with virtual production, you can do things in cinema that you just can't, either because of industry rules or just because of what you can do visually. With all of her exposure to virtual production techniques, Nadell naturally finds herself drawn to new media modes of expression. You know, I think the metaverse has become a bit of a loaded word, and there's a lot of connotation attached to it now because of Facebook and Meta, but also Ready Player One, which I loved the movie and I loved the book. I think people come in with a lot of preconceived notions of what the metaverse is or could be. But I think, you know, it's already happening, especially if you're in the world of Web3 and you're in story-driven worlds like I am right now and you're in that community. And really what that means is people will have a digital identity, truly. And it might be nothing like who they are in real life. To me, the metaverse is most exciting is when people can just be creative. You know, I think a lot of people out there, and I'm certainly seeing that in my experiences now with Web3, a lot of people out there yearn to be storytellers, yearn to do something creative, but didn't do it professionally for a host of reasons. And I get a lot of messages of people being so excited about being able to flex their creativity and having a real meaningful outlet for it. And I think that's the key. I think when the metaverse is too controlled or too corporatized, it gets boring and sad. The world we live in is already corporatized. But the more the metaverse can be an escape, that's not just a derivative. And this is what Ready Player One was, you know, looking at too, where if it's all a derivative of, you know, 80s IP, that's also boring. Because guess what? Hollywood's also doing that ad nauseum. But when it's a place that it's totally new and people can partake in creating this totally new thing, that's where it gets really exciting. Nidel strongly believes that new modes of interaction can lead to greater human connection in the future. I think what's really cool, at least about Web3, is that there's still a yearning for an in-real-life connection and in-real-life relationships. And so you see, you know, there are meetups all the time in different cities. Hey, I'm based in Denver. Hey, Denver, we're getting together. We're going to have a dinner where we've come together because of our shared love of this particular story world and this particular character or IP. But we're meeting in real life and making friends that way. And it's really interesting to think about when you can make friends in a virtual setting, but then transfer it to real life and find that that friendship holds true. And I don't think there's any replacement for in real life friendship and in real life relationships. But I do think we can use the internet and use our whatever we're interested in in the digital world to find real connection that can then transfer to reality. <laughs> That's the hope and the dream. Ultimately, seeing the power and accessibility of virtual production tools leads Nidel to celebrate the emergence of new voices unbound by location. What has been really cool is seeing how technology, like the internet, like Unreal Engine, like these other 3D content creating programs, where you don't have to be in Los Angeles or have access to millions of dollars to express yourself and to create art. That's really empowering and I think really important, especially because of these two cities in particular, they're so expensive and it can be really limiting 
as an artist to try and make it when you know you're struggling just to pay rent on your $2,400 studio apartment, you're gonna have to spend your time paying the bills. But now you know, you're know you seeing a diversification of where people live who are still incredible artists. And I do think that's really important for the future of cinema. listening to the virtual production podcast thanks again to my guest emma nidell for joining us this episode was written and hosted by me noah kadner this episode was edited and mixed by Corey abel the virtual production podcast is a co-production of the virtual company and abel cine we love virtual production and would also love to work with you so please visit our websites and drop us a line if we can help you can find us at ablecine.com and thevirtual.co. The Virtual Production Podcast is brought to you in part by Puget Systems, an integrator specializing in high-end desktop systems perfectly suited to virtual production. Please visit them at pugetsystems.com. The Virtual Production Podcast is also brought to you in part by Row Visual, setting the gold standard in LED technologies for virtual production. Learn more at rowvisual.com. Please also let us know if there's a subject or guest you want us to have on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please consider giving us a five-star review, subscribing, and telling all your friends about us. Thanks again, and see you next time.